Yeah, I'm loving that little upbeat music that Dave D'Agostino had on tap for, for us here. Uh, welcome to the Man on Second podcast on the rapidly growing Real Voices of the Game Productions. Uh, I'm Joe Frasaro with Dave D'Agostino, our tireless producer and amazing co-host. Um, exciting times right now. The MLB season is a week is a week old. The minor league seasons are about to go start up. And on the amateur side, the high schools and colleges have been in full swing for a little while now. And that's going to bring us to our special guest today, veteran scout Tim McDonald of the Colorado Rockies will be joining us. I've known Tim a long time. Tim used to be uh, with the Marlins. And uh, Tim is making his second appearance on our podcast, uh, very popular in his first uh, showing. So no pressure there. But before we bring Tim on, I'm going to bring in Dave. Uh, Dave, welcome. Let's, uh, what announcements we got? I'll keep our preamble short here so we can get to Tim. Yeah, he had a cult following last time. Great uh, great response from our audience. So we're thinking of making T-shirts, hats maybe if this one goes well. <laughs> we, uh, just to thank you to our 15,000. We, we eclipsed 15,300 this morning, Joe. Subscribers, continue. Please download, listen, like, subscribe. Use Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or Stitcher. If there's another streaming device that's easier, let me know, and I'll sign up for that one too. Keep pumping us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You guys took me out of my cave and got me on Facebook. I was the last man standing, I think, in the world, and I'm, I'm on it. Um, it's, it's proved great dividends. I'll respond to one question in the morning, um, and then the others I'll answer back privately. Joe, over 700 questions today in anticipation wow. of our three shows that we're producing here on this Friday. Um, but our audience continues to grow. We're on 71 countries. I think we're going to get 72 today because we had Ryan LaBarnier LaBarnway on earlier, connections with Israel was on Team Israel with the WBC. Okay. So we're thinking we can add Israel today. And, uh, you know, it's 71 countries, grassroots all the way to Major League front offices. We're really, I think, continuing to give our audience great content here, building better baseball IQs. And we love your support. We'll keep bringing it to you. Yeah, and and that's great stuff, Dave. And 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 part of what I think our growth is, and it's no secret, when we have guests like Tim McDonald. And and quick background on Tim: a long career as a player, college coach, and scout. Uh, while with the Marlins, Tim was leading the charge in drafting of Giancarlo Stanton and Christian Yelich, among others. In his uh, college coaching days. Tim was the hitting coach for Evan Longoria and Troy Tulowitzki. Uh, Tim's the author of the book, Fearless Hitting, More Than Your Swing. And we'll talk to Tim a little bit about that book as well. But again, look that up on Amazon, Fearless Hitting by Tim McDonald. Uh, Tim, with no further ado, welcome, my friend. How are you, my friend? I'm good, guys. I'm, I'm excited to be here, and thank you for having me on. Yeah, yeah, before as we kind of dive in, you know, I know and I'm just going to let our audience know we we're not going to get Tim in trouble by divulging any any <laughs> secrets on who he's looking at or what he's working on, but but I think Tim could pro- provide an overview on just because there, there are a lot of our listeners uh, the younger ones who may want to, you know, get involved in baseball in capacities other than just playing. There are obviously other opportunities. Uh, as people know, listen to my show, my son's a scout with Arizona, uh, you know, so his playing days didn't go much past high school ball, but he made it to to a big league team. And, and then and just for our fans who just 
want to get a better understanding of how scouting departments work. So, Tim, kind of take us through what, what your routine is right now and just a little bit of what you do in these these months now at, at the high school and the college levels as you're, you're getting ready for the draft. Yeah, these months can be a little bit of Groundhog Day in that I'm I'm collecting schedules still, pitching rotations, all of that stuff, and seeing players as many times as I can. So it's it's not like I see a guy one time and I never see him again. So it's this constant try to get players in as many variables as possible, whether it's a seeing hitters, night games, day games, versus lefties, versus righties, checking matchups. Are they facing a good pitcher this you know midweek game for a college or high school matchups? You want to get high school hitters against good high school pitching. So you're you're constantly looking through schedules and trying to get with coaches. Hey, do you know who's pitching that game? Do you know who's pitching this game? And then this year in SoCal, we've had lovely rain. So it's it's oh, made it in quite a uh, quite a circus because you really end up with zero days off because the days it's running or raining, you're finding schedules and pitching rotations and, and changes and this and that. And then you're running out the next day to make up all the, the games that got missed and their double headers here and there and everywhere. So it's, it's a little bit of chaos right now. It's starting to, to uh, normalize, but the truth is all I'm trying to do is at this point, I have a pretty good idea who I, who I like. I'll still run down, any other new names, but you go out and you're trying to see guys as many times in as many variables, trying to figure out their makeup more than anything at this point, because I know for the most part, they're tools, but you know, you're looking for some advantage you can find that can separate this player from a a different player. So it's just a, a constant evaluation of all of your guys and against you know, the best, best players you can find them. So it's really not that hard. It's just, it's a matter of working smart and, and getting to the right games. Yeah, no, that's an excellent point. And I, and I want to ask you this, because I'm, you know, part of what I'm doing in, in my moonlighting as I'm, you know, building my post MLB.com career is I'm doing stuff for, for a prep website, uh, score, scorebook live, SB live, give a plug for them. And, you know, I'm seeing it's fun because I'll go down to Marlins and see them play. Like even the other day I, I went, so the Marlins play um, one o'clock and then I was at a American heritage game against West Broward at seven. And, you know, you see the scouts there and then you're finding out that scouts are watching practices. Do you on the high school oh, level, yeah. will you go to a lot of practices when the season starts? I mean, obviously before the season starts, you might watch them kind of put their team together, but you know, do you, do you build that into your time? A hundred percent. It depends on your year and, and what you're looking at, but I have, I used to take, I mean, there were a lot of hitters, you know, them all Joe, they were all yeah. coming through the Marlins. Um, before I really knew those guys, I would sneak into their high school, well, their practices, and I'd walk my dog and act like just some Joe Schmo and then, you know, talk to people. Oh, was, you know, that's how you get information. You ask some random kid, they like my dog. So then I say, hey, do you know John Carlo? Yeah, you're, 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 you know, you're undercover sometimes. Now, this year, I haven't had to do the high school thing quite as much. Uh, we're not as heavy with the high school uh, players up in the LA Valley as we've been with all the the hitters we used to have. But yes, I, I'll go to practice. I do a lot of college practice, but I also try to do things where they don't know I'm there. I, I, I really 
cherish those times where I can see them and they don't really know I'm there because you get a better understanding of how they act when they think no one's watching. Um, it's much harder to pull that off, but it's important to do. And I've always gotten some good information out of that. So it's not a ton at this point because I have games almost every day. But if I need more information, you better better believe I'm going to go hunt down a practice or sneak out there. Uh, you can do a couple in a day. You can get to one practice and see if a guy's there early. And then you can leave that one, go to another one, and see if the guy stays late. And uh, it's a way to, to maximize your day if, if you have nothing else. Yeah. So it's always that, that, a way to find information if you have the if you put in the effort. Always. No, that that that's awesome points, and and I think for especially if high school players are listening to this, especially the good ones, the ones that that now there is that you have a pressure on you, especially the D one players. Uh, you know, a lot of lots expected, especially a D one player who's a potential draft, you know, pick as well. And but I, like I try to tell some of the players I interact with, people are watching you. You know, so everyone could have a bad day and such, but, but people are watching you a lot of, you know, colleges, pros, and they're watching to see how you act, not just when you're doing well, but probably more importantly, Tim, right? Through oh, adversity, because yeah. you want to see how they handle it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I want to see a guy the day after he has a really bad game. Yeah. Those are, those are important moments. Um, it's yeah you have to watch them the truth is i ask a a lot of players and they give me crazy looks but when i do in-home meetings i just say why am i going to get fired for you like you you really have to prove something to me because i have to go in i have to fight it's not just california i i'm fighting against players all over the country how do i get you up the board What's yeah. going to make, make me push for you? Yeah. Why are you, so you, you going to bang the table for a player? Yeah. Right? What am I going to, yes. What am I going to do to go to the, the scouting director and the GM and everybody else and say, Hey, we have to take this guy and here's why. And if you don't give me that information, you don't show me that it, it becomes hard. Cause then you're, you know, we're all human. So you're like, I can be wrong. I want to make sure I'm not. So you're trying to put all the little, every little piece together so that when you present that player, you're right. Because the worst thing that can happen is you sign him and he goes out and he's not what he said. Um, yeah. I mean, I've been scouting long enough that in 17 years I've had calls back in the day. Hey, what's up with this guy? Those are the worst calls known to man because uh, you don't want to be wrong. But, you you know, you do. We all make mistakes, but you try not to. And uh, with experience, I've learned to look for things like that, like guys who are late to the bus and guys who are late to practice and guys who are the first one to leave as soon as practice is over. Um, guys who don't treat other students at school. Well, all those little things matter. Uh, it's not that you just went four for four with two home runs. I don't really care about that. Like I understand I wouldn't be watching you if you didn't have ability. I'm looking for all the other stuff now. Um, and you know, a lot of a lot of the kids just don't understand that. Like they think they've got to perform all the time, and I, I don't. Your games teach me some things, but the stuff I find out away from it are much more val- valuable. You know, I am literally writing this quote down, Tim. I wouldn't <laughs> watch you if you didn't have ability. That right. really should be a T-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Dave, expand on it. I know you have something for Tim. Yeah, I, th- I think you hit on something that's important. We have a lot of young college coaches that listen and even young guys starting out in the pro game. And 
as somebody who's done it for a long time, like yourself, and then me spending 20 plus years at the college level, you don't get fired for the player you don't sign. You get fired for the one you do sign, and it's not the right player. That's so, correct. So be really careful. I wanted to ask you this, and I'll share mine with you so you can see how odd uh, my, how far off I took it in the direction. But I want to know the oddest place or person you talked to or went to to find out the details about a player. And I'll, I'll give you mine quick. I once, and, and it was, I had question marks about a kid's character. I want to see, I, I knew they could play. And he was also on the bowling team as part of intramurals at the high school. So I found out when the bowling match was, and I rented the lane to his left and to his right. And I bowled on his left just so I could kind of pay attention to how he operated during something that wasn't his forte. wasn't, he had to do it because the school made it mandatory to do multiple things. And uh, so I rented out a bowling lane to stand, to bowl next to this kid in the team. He had no idea, no clue I was doing it. I let anybody know it was just some odd guy bowling in the bowling alley so I could get a glimpse of what he was like in a, in a sport that he was not really good at, to be honest. Now, if I had a scholarship for bowling, I could tell you he wasn't getting it. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but to just, to, just to find that out, what's – what's there- uh, Odd – I'm trying to think of an odd one. I've seen a lot of high school basketball games, uh, a few football games. I would say the oddest one, and it's funny because – uh, one of the, the guys involved in this is actually a scout now. He, he always laughs about this. There was a year I couldn't get any information on a, a high school player. And I literally went to a jack-in-the-box across the street. And this is a true story because I'll even use his name. Glenn Walker is a scout with the Mets now. And he was a high school player uh, on the same team with this player. I stood in front of a jack-in-the-box and I asked kids, hey, do you know such and such? And no, no. And then someone came in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're buddies with him. I said, I'm buying you lunch. Let's go talk. And we went and talked and found out, you know, he's a skateboarder. He loves this. He loves, you know, and we went through all this stuff. Well, I didn't know this, but I get in my car and leave and I'm thinking, okay, I learned a few things here. I know a little bit more about this kid. Well, they rode their skateboard back right to the field and the team was practicing and they came out there screaming, oh, the, the Marlins are scouted. They're asking about you at Jack in the Box. <laughs> and so Glenn Walker is with the Mets now. He's like, oh, my gosh, you're crazy, Mac. He's like, yeah, they they came in screaming at practice. Well, I can say his first name. Hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. That The Marlins really like you. They're trying to find everything about you. I told him you're a great kid. You know, so that was a, a funny one. I don't know if it's odd, but yeah, I was desperate that year, um, and I, it worked. It actually worked, and uh, the kid went to Cal State Fullerton and ended up getting hurt, so he wasn't a pro guy, but um, but that was a fun one. Yeah, It's fun because it, it's still, I get reminded of it when I see, see Glenn. There are so, no secrets, Tim. There are no, no secrets, as you know. Oh, no, yeah. So you're trying to constantly just do that stuff. Um you, you find information in weird places. I've said it before with like Yelich. I tried everything I could to find somebody that had bad information. I could never land any. Um, I, was, I kept thinking, come on, man, someone's got to say something negative about this guy. But, but no one did. And, and you can see why he's still a tremendous human. But um, so, yeah, those are the things. I mean, I, I, I wish I had a better story, Dave, but that was that one that lives, in, lives forever. Thanks to Glenn. 
Now, off the air, I've got about 10 more odd ones that I did as a college coach that I'm not going to bring on the air because I think the statute of limitations may not be over yet on them. So. Yeah, yeah. College is, yeah, that's even, it's even harder as a college coach because you, you have other things to do. Yeah, scouting's a little easier because I can go during the day. I can do all kinds of stuff. Yeah, but I will say this before, before going in, I've done that as well. And before going in and sitting in restaurants talking to the kids, I always alerted the local police department that I was okay. I wasn't crazy because yeah. it gets around real quick that some strange guy is in a restaurant buying lunch for kids. So. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be careful on that. Yes. There are things you must consider. See, Joe, it took me nine minutes to derail your interview. How about no, that? No, no. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. It, it, like, it's really hard to get Tim going, though. That's, that's the oh, Yeah. <laughs> you know, Tim, I want to hit on a, on a couple of points that you noted. Uh, well, for one, uh, we're, we're talking about makeup. Let's, let's hit that in the nutshell. Because I know when you check that box on your reports, and that's what the front offices are looking at and everybody, how important is that? And let our audience know how much teams pay attention to makeup. I would tell you there's nothing more important than it. That Again, we're dealing with, I'm not watching you if you don't have ability. So we've separated all that. But if you're nice, I put this on Twitter the other day. If you're not the best player on every field you're on, you need to, you must have elite mental skills. You have to. You, your makeup has to be good because Mike Trout, who they say is the best player, his makeup's off the chart. The best players have it. So if you want to survive, you have to have mental skills. You have to have things you can go to. And I mean, you've got to compete. You've got to be mentally tough. You've got to be able to deal with adversity. All of those, you've got to have awareness and all these little things that you try to get them to understand. Um, this generation's fighting it some, you know, they, they don't... Uh, they're, they're a little different, and I don't mean I, I, the bat flips. I could really care less for the most part. But uh, it's a lot of, uh, I, I call it the TikTok generation. They want that quick hit that gets them viral, but um, they're not putting in the daily work, so they're, they're not really mentally tough. And we're seeing that this year. Uh, again, I won't mention names, but there's some players that people thought would be apps would be the top prospects and they're hitting near 200 and, and they're unraveling at games. Um, coaches are taking them out of games because they, their body language is so bad. Um, and excuse my voice. I was at Cal state Fullerton late last night and the wind was ripping through there. So I, my voice keeps coming and going, but uh, yeah, we went from rain to, to win, but so you're having players literally get pulled out of a game because their body language is so bad. They're making errors and their teammates are seeing it because their mental skills are lacking. So if you don't have those, how are you going to deal with going to Yankee stadium? Like I have to think that when I'm sitting at a game, this guy, he can't handle this environment. And I know they've got time to, to mature, but you're still thinking, man, Yankee stadium will chew this guy up. What's going to happen? Uh, back in the day, I don't know what Marlin Park is like anymore, but we would think, does this guy need a crowd to play? Because the Marlins, we're not, we don't, we didn't always have crowds. So yeah. all of those things come into play. Like, is he self-motivated? You have to be. In the minor leagues, you're going to go out and there may be a hundred people in the stands. Can you not play? And is that not enough people in the stands for you? So all of those things to me become much more valuable 
than any other thing that you can point to. I don't, I don't care what it is. If you don't have elite mental skills, you're not going to reach your ceiling. So I'm wasting my time. Yeah, that again, excellent points. Uh, Tim, how much can you pick up on a video? Let's see, you know, you're, you're on social. You'll see, and I tweet out videos. I just this morning, a kid from Columbus, Christopher Columbus High School, where John Jay uh, played, now Marlins coach, former longtime player, uh, and talked to his high school coach last night. But a kid hits a home run. I get the nice little video of the kid. Obviously, gives exposure to the kid. How much would a scout look at that, at, at a video like that? I and watch they're, they're videos all everybody. The time. Yeah, I watch videos all the time, yeah. uh, nonstop. It, it's basically I'm looking for little things. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I, I do think we need a class in video work for some of these kids because they put things out and, you know, I don't need a 10 minute video. I don't have that kind of time <laughs> or uh, I get stuff sent to my DM sometimes <laughs> on Twitter and I'm like, man, I don't have three hours to go through this. Um, but yeah, they'll, they'll, you know, maybe I'll see a uh, bat speed I like, or maybe I'll see a pitcher's delivery I like, or maybe I'll see uh, infielder's footwork I like. Or it will make me dig further. I may see something I like, so then I'll look through their social media stuff to see, oh, is this guy ever in the weight room? What does he do here? You know, anything I can find that may draw me in to see uh, something to help me evaluate that player. And obviously, I'm going to go see him, but it's more, uh, it alerts me that, hey, maybe there's more to this player. Maybe I should go see him again or, um, yeah, so I use them a lot is the answer on that. Uh, it's, I think it's all part of this new environment where you have to take in all this stuff. If you, if you don't stay up with the times, you're going to get beat because I've, I've had some invaluable uh, things come through Twitter. Just, just on Twitter, I'll find stuff and go, oh, my gosh, yeah, beautiful. Um, yeah, somebody, I, you might see something in a player that you may not have seen before. Or I may see a scout standing behind him in the video. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. And you go, oh, wait, that guy's on him. So then, then I call him. I mean, I, you know me, Joe. I don't yeah. Know. There's no, not much fear. So I just call him, hey, you on this guy? What do you got? You know, shake the scout up. Some of these guys are young and they get a little scared. So you go, hey, do you like him? What do you got? What kind of kid is he? You know, try to find as much info as you can. Um so, no, I mean, that's in, in jest primarily, but you, no, you do see it. things. You see scouts, <laughs> you'll see this, you see, you know, yeah. Take in every, every piece of information I can find, I will use uh, if there's anything of value, everything. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, and, and another point you mentioned, and we're going to illuminate on it a little bit more. And I've been like pleasantly surprised, uh, you know, on these fields, seeing as many schools as I've seen is that pitcher hitter matchup you were looking for, like, you know, mm. you know, this D one pitches, UM commit is, is going to pitch against this UF commit. Uh, and then, you know, this Vandy commit's going to face the UM commit, you know, uh, and, and it's made for fun games to cover. And obviously those are the games I go to with 20 plus scouts at, at as well. And, and just talk about just how important that aspect is that your guys just aren't, D one guy picking up, you know, big numbers against average to below average high school players. Yeah. you ha It's, it's hard. I mean, it, that depends on what your area is like, but yeah, you're looking for the best matchups all the time because you, you want to see them against the best competition. It doesn't do me a lot of good 
if I go see a hitter and the, the pitcher's throwing 78 to 83, I'm not learning a whole lot. That's where it's, they get confused. They think, you know, oh, you popped up or you hit a home run. I don't care. It doesn't, we're not, I'm not sending you anywhere that guys are throwing 78 to 83. I'm there to watch your makeup. I'm there to watch how hard you play. I'm, I'm there to watch if you hit a ground ball to the shortstop, you run a hard 90 to first base. How do you uh, interact with your teammates that game? Uh, umpire makes a bad call. Those are the things I'm watching for when the competition isn't good. So when you do get that rare glimpse where, hey, this he's facing a guy and you know, he's 90 to 93 and he's got a slider or he's got a chain. He's got something. You can go, okay, finally, I can get a, a, a real baseball evaluation here. I can really uh, see his timing. I can see how his vision's working as a hitter. I can see how early does he recognize the ball? What's his swing like? How, what's his approach to hitting? Uh, all of those things. But it's it's hard to find those. That's why the summer's so valuable because you're seeing players against uh, similar competition. Yeah. So, yeah. You, well, that's, that's the greatest argument for the showcase. You know, yeah. we, we've on, yeah. on our network a, a lot addressed kind of the downside of the showcases, but the benefit is exactly what you're saying. That's where you see the best against the best. And, well, yeah, that's uh, and for us. It's, you know, in yeah. scouting, you're talking area code and all, all the PDP and things of that nature where we're coming in to set those things up. So, Tim, yeah. Tim how much has the transfer portal, uh, change things and this is important for our our audience and for our fans and parents of kids who are looking to sign with a school everyone wants to have that d1 scholarship obviously uh and some are are locking in at you know ninth grade or maybe eighth grade even well just the point let's just start with the portal uh i mean 43 percent of the kids that put their name in the portal are still there 40 that's almost half so we have a, it's a huge problem. You have kids who left the school and they're now, they're playing nowhere over 40%. So that's one downside that no one understands. So, oh, I'm going to go in the portal. And then, yeah, all of a sudden LSU and UCLA and everybody's going to call you. It, it doesn't happen that way. So you have a lot of kids who are learning the hard way that the portal is not this dream escape you thought it was. And now you're playing nowhere. Um, the portal, I mean, I talked to the college coaches. They don't love it because uh, you're, you're scared if you're tough on a player, he's going to jump in the portal. It's, it's causing a lot of problems. It's causing cheating. You have big schools telling smaller schools, hey, tell, you know, get this guy in the portal. We'll take him. But. Unfortunately for me, it's the, the kids who are still sitting in it. I just saw this the other day. It's like 43% of the people who put their name or the kids who put their name in the portal are still sitting in there. So that's a huge problem, Joe. That's 43% who thought the grass was greener somewhere and, and it's not. So I just think we have uh, a society that everybody's looking. They think they're going to be the next big leaguer and something's better, and they they have to understand to get better, a lot of you need to stay where you are. You need to work through some adversity. You need to get tougher. You need to talk to the coach again. I understand there maybe there's a coach that's a, I don't know, psycho or whatever, but most of it's not that. It's kids are mad they're not playing enough, and they don't want to work to get better, and they don't want to compete. Um, there's, there's a lot of that. 
there's a lot of over recruiting the, I mean, if we want to get into the eighth, you know, committing as eighth to eight to 10th graders, I can, I can jump right into that if you want. Cause that's, yeah, let's do that real fast. And I know Dave has a, has a follow-up. Yeah. So this eighth to 10th grader thing is insane. I can give you a couple quick stories. I mean, this started 20 years ago. I was coaching. We sent out camp flyers and I had a dad send me an email saying, well, my ninth grader committed to his dream school. Well, at that point, he said his dream school was UC Irvine. I played there. They had cut the program. There was no school when this kid was a young young player. So it wasn't his dream school. It was this this fake thing in their head. I think that the parents are looking for this status and ego and these tweets, and they're not getting real value. I have another a friend I played with in pro ball long or. He played pro ball for a long time. We played together in high school and college. His son committed as a 10th grader. New head coach his his senior year. They dropped him a month before school. One month. He's now to JC hitting about 410. But here's a big problem with that. He, from 10th grade on, he built, we talked our entire last podcast about relationships well, these kids aren't building relationships with any other coaches because they're committing as a 10th grader. So they don't even know any other coaches. So the, the kid at the JC now, he needs me to reach out to coaches because he didn't meet any in his real recruiting process. So do you understand what I'm saying there? He, Absolutely. he has nobody to call. There's no coach at a different school where, you know, maybe he didn't commit, but he built a relationship with that coach. He can't call that guy. There's another kid in your area, Joe, down in Miami. His name's Keanu Rodriguez. He committed as an eighth or ninth grader. He goes to Christ, uh, Florida Christian High School. He gets cancer and, and between his ninth and tenth grade. He fights it off. He goes through his chemo. It goes into remission. He gets dropped the fall of his senior year, and that story gets worse because his sister, also, she gets cancer right as his goes into remission. Now, she plays at University of Michigan. Go look on Twitter, hashtag, hashtag Kaylee Strong. She got a GoFundMe. She got shirts. University of Michigan is taking care of her. She's a ray of sunshine. Um, I don't want to get emotional. I don't know her, but I love her story. So, But this Keanu now is looking to try to find a school, but it's so late. So he's probably got to go to a JC. So we have all these kids who are just getting lost in the shuffle of the portal and the this Baseball's not just about playing in the big leagues. Like you're learning life skills, you're learning how to work with with a team and all those things that are disappearing because we have this supposed pot of gold at the end. And it's frustrating. I mean, all this stuff. Uh, I don't know if anyone really loves the portal or this committing to eighth eight to tenth graders. I've had college coaches. I, I ask them, why are you doing it? And it's keeping up with the Joneses. Well, if we don't, they will. Okay, well, then can we make this legal then so you can't drop them when they're a senior? But the NCAA hasn't stepped in on that. So it's the wild, wild west. And uh, I would tell the parents to wait. You need relationships with college coaches. Uh, Of the, I think I have nine or ten colleges in my area. And I, I have four new head coaches. So, you know, again, we're dealing 40%. What if you were committed there, now you're out on the street. So good luck to you. It, yeah. it's, uh, they're, they're not thinking through that stuff. 
And that stupid wind at Cal State Fullerton crushed my voice. But uh, (laughs) maybe I'll have a good singing career now. Maybe I'll get a cool voice. No, you're on to something there, Tim, because a lot of these kids also at ninth grade, they get put out there on Instagram that they are committed to a D1 school and it makes them look good. This is right in Dave D'Agostino's wheelhouse because of the college thing. And and let me uh, have – Finish your thought, then Dave's going to jump in. Real quick on that. That's good that they got they, they put it out on Instagram, et cetera. But every other college in the country stops paying attention to you. And yeah. that's where you're losing your connections. They're not scouting you. You committed to, I don't pick a school, Cal State Fuller. You commit to Cal State Fullerton. Not a single other school cares what you do the next three or four years. They don't even pay attention to you. So now when you're dropped on the street, you have no connections. They haven't seen you yeah. play. They don't know anything about you. Go ahead, Dave. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm, this I'm, gets, I'm, this I, gets I, me fired up. Uh, well, this may, this may even add more fuel to the fire. We, um, you know, as Joe has meant, my wife and I run a, a business out of necessity for the exact reasons that you're talking about, Tim. It's called one-on-one. And we've helped over 800 kids navigate this process over the last three and a half years in basketball and baseball. And I throw numbers out to our families all the time. And we're in basketball season now, but baseball will go through this at the end of the year. There's 71 Division I head coaching changes right now, which means 280 assistant coaches are going to change minimum. And all these supposed relationships that they built, whether it's offers, acceptances, those start over once these people get to new places. So that's one thing to remember when people are in a hurry. This coach, even if you're trying to build it, they could be gone. So don't be in such a hurry to accept mm-hmm. the, the portal. Two-thirds of the kids, not this is across both the sports we're talking about, basketball and baseball, two-thirds of the kids in the portal for both those sports mm-hmm. don't even get a phone call. Don't oh. even get a phone call. And only a third of them find a place to go. And that doesn't mean it's a good place, just a place. Right. It doesn't mean it's better than before. And social media, I can't stand. And I tell our families all the time because here's another component, a variable that people aren't taking into consideration. These travel programs make their money through how high they can push their kids. So the earlier they push a kid to verbal, now they have 15 more families paying two grand a summer to try to get what that kid got. So they're not so concerned about that falling through as they are $30,000 coming in their pocket right now for the next pipe dream that they're trying to sell. And none of this is legally binding. That's what these parents don't get until November of their senior year with basketball anyway. And then yeah. when they until the signing Same. date, it is until November and that piece of paper signed, it's not legally binding. And as you mentioned, people were getting dropped early. I've, I've heard two, of two dozen kids personally, there's probably more that got dropped when they were on campus in the fall. So they actually got on campus. They were working out with the team. Fall happened, and they got cut in the fall. Now they're now they're in the middle of October, looking for a place to go, as opposed to earlier. So it is the NCA likes to over legislate. They don't like to solve problems though. And then, but they the one thing that the the NCA did do is expand rosters finally for baseball to forty man um, to take away from you know to add to the fact that the drafts reduced and minor league baseball doesn't have as many jobs, but, but they didn't give any more money. 11.7 scholarships at division one spread over 40 guys. So even if you're a first round draft pick, you're only getting four or 5,000, um, you know, from, from a college. So anyway, that's, that'll add more fuel to your fire. Now you can throw those numbers at people. Well, and- it's, it's yeah, it's that. It's just, it's so frustrating because we, we, we still hear student athletes, but that's changing. And if we're going to make it pro sports in college, then okay, let's make it pro sports. But, you know, you've heard me talk. You know how I feel. 
about mental skills. So that's what with the the Keanu Rodriguez kid. I'm thinking you got a kid who who had cancer and beat it. I I know this kid's makeup's good. His mental toughness, ability to de- deal with adversity, all these things. Someone, if you're a coach in Florida, go get him. Go get, please, go get him, because I want that. I would want that kid in my dugout. I would want him in the weight room. Imagine you lose a couple games and you say, "Hey, Keanu, what was what was day thirty like when you're going through chemo?" Like, let's get some perspective here, people. <clears throat> uh, sorry about my voice again, but that's that's just the reality for me. Is when I heard that story, I was like, "We're always trying to find out makeup." If a kid beat cancer, I, I have some idea. He's tough. He's resilient. I don't think I'm crazy. So there's got to be a place for him, and I hope someone finds him, and I hope he goes off. But that one, uh, obviously, I've brought it up a couple times just because it was such a, I don't know, it lit my fire. And, you know, the scouts I've talked to are like, you got to be kidding me. Some, we got to find somewhere for this kid. So hopefully someone hears this and gets out there to Christian High School and sees him. But there's so many things, Joe and Dave, that yeah, it, it's just not, built for these kids it's built for the parents egos and it's built for the coaches to protect their tail and i don't think the coaches want to do this i know enough of them uh and i've known them for 25 years it's not like i've known them for a year they don't want to recruit ninth graders they don't want to you know be on the phone with a 15 year old what are you talking about with a 15 year old when you're a grown man but if they don't, they feel like, well, I'm going to get fired and I'm making a pretty good living. And it's it's just a bad environment all the way around. It's Yeah, I hope the, the NCAA won't fix it. We know that, Dave. But something's got to change because we have too many players that we're just losing. And again, we talk about fans of the game. How are these kids and, and families going to be fans of baseball when the the carpet gets pulled out from underneath them and they never, <clears throat> they never play again. That's, that's the thing. I, I just don't understand it. Um, no one's really thinking long-term about the impact on baseball and losing all these young, young potential fans and families. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy, but I think, I think that way and go, man, we're really short-sighted in our thinking here. Also that what we might win two more games in 2026, really? This one player that you're just going to throw into the gutter because whoever you're going to bring in instead is going to help you win maybe, maybe two games. It just, it it seems insane to me. Um, The hard part guys, we had this podcast months ago, our first one, and I've been doing nothing but trying to help. I'm going to tell you, there's a, a whole group of parents who don't want it. They think you, they think I'm crazy. They want they want to spend their money. They're going to continue. So I've just adopted. I, I'll help anybody still. But I mean, if they don't want it, I'm not wasting my time. Um, they they really need to wake up and and hear the horror stories. And we need those horror stories to get out. So they go, oh man. But it, it would see. It seems to me they don't believe you until the bad thing happens to them and then they wake up that's like my buddy whose son had to go to a jc i told him don't commit as a 10th grader yeah but i love these coaches yes so do i they're my friends 
just tell them, hey, we're, we need to meet. We need to have relationships with other coaches just in case you get offered the Yankee job. What if the Yankees want to hire that guy? He's going to leave to go coach for the Yankees. So you have to think these things through. I mean, I'm not saying the coaches are bad or anyone's bad, but the, the situation is, and we have to be smarter than the situation or we're just going to watch players end up in the gutter one after another. And then they call me, what can you do? And I'm thinking, what can I do? I mean, not a whole lot at this point. It's too late. So it's frustrating, but I'm glad you're doing stuff, Dave. And I know Joe's trying, I'm trying. And I I just hope that uh, we can change this tide somehow. Yeah, I think, Tim, that important is just to give the information to the people and they make their choices, right? You know, you do that and and maybe there are eight people and two two listen and six don't. You know, we help too. You know, yeah, and uh, yeah. and you know, this is something I'm sure Dave will will dig in deeper as we move on with the podcast because I know this is something you're passionate about as well. Um, we can talk about this for a long time. Yeah, but uh, we're getting a little pressed for it. So I just want to get um, you know, uh, some to, to have Tim talk a little bit about hitting because it ties right into his book. And, you know, as you're seeing, you know, the progressions now, we know at the big league level, the shifting is gone. Obviously, it's not in the the colleges and high schools. But, you know, uh, do you think we're going to see a little bit of hitting changes in at the high school level, the the college level? And what are you seeing from hitters, you know, early on right now as we early to tell? Yeah, I think it's a little too early to tell. It's still a mixed bag. Um, There's still the some that are looking to pull everything in the air. I have seen, I would say, a larger percentage are working on actually hitting and actually at a younger age, uh, a little less emphasis on just their swing and starting to understand. I can work on my swing for hours every day, but I do need to learn how to hit. Um, you know, I think one thing I've been trying to tell people that, that sort of has opened some eyes is they'll say, well, my, my hitting guy, he really, we watch a lot of videos on tr- on Trout or pick your favorite player. It's usually Trout out here. And I say, yeah, but your genetic profile is completely different than him. Like he's built different. Your arms aren't the same length, your leg. You have to do your own thing. And so they are starting, I think, to recognize that. I think even some of the the quote-unquote swing people on, on Twitter and in the world are starting to say, oh, man, it's not just about swing. Yeah, we have to learn how to hit. And for me, it's that building your foundation with your vision and balance and approach and, and again, mental skills. You know, we've, we're, we're getting away from the – the other analogy I use is everybody wants solar panels on your roof. Well, you have to have a strong foundation and strong walls or your solar panels are going to fall in on your head. And they're going, oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah, you want the fancy stuff, but they're learning to hit. And the colleges in general, I think most of the hitting coaches are really trying to do that, use the whole field. BP has been different at a couple schools than it's been over the last few years. Um, There's still a few that, you know, it's a home run derby, and they either strike out or hit home runs. But, I mean, hey, that's their choice. It's not my program. So I do think we're going to see more hitting, but it's hard to tell at this point. It's it's so early in the process. Um, I don't know. I, it's, 
I, I, I don't want to box them. If you have great power, I don't want to tell you not to, to, to tap into it either. So it's, it's just, we've gone too far in taking little, you know, smaller bodied guys that don't have power and tell them to hit the ball in the air, pull side. doesn't make any sense. So whatever you're doing needs to fit your genetic profile, who you, who you are. Um, and I'm seeing more of that at the college level. Um, high schools, I couldn't tell you because I, I, I don't know the philosophy of many of them. And then pro ball, we'll see what happens on TV. I hope so. I know yeah. the stolen bases are going to go through the roof with all this <laughs> stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think Ricky Henderson is sitting at home thinking, man, I'm going to go back and play. I'll steal <laughs> 300. He probably still would lead the league. <laughs> yeah, he can probably still hit. I mean, yeah. but I, I think there's changes, Joe, but I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's I'm secluded a little in Southern California. I don't I don't know exactly what's happening everywhere. Um, but the things I'm seeing, there's been some a, a change in a lot of the college programs. Um, and I think it's benefiting them. I think I'm seeing better hitters. Uh, you know, maybe they're not pro guys, but the guy that's fighting to get in the lineup every day is doing a better job of hitting. And so he's getting in more. The guy who can really play defense is has stopped trying to hit home runs and he's learning to bunt and hit and run and hit the ball the other way. And they're playing more. Um, we're seeing better. I, I mean, I've seen more like little defenders playing that because they're at bats are so good. So I have seen some of that, but the scope of the country, I, someone would have to tell me someone like Mike Rooney or some, one of those college analysts that sees everything. I don't know. Um, too hard for me. Yeah. We already seen that. Uh, Dave might even know the number off the top of his head, but at the big league level, I think batting averages the first week were up like 23% or something like that, oh, wow. uh, really? or, or tw- you know, 23 points, I should say, you know, um, but you know, so it, it's the big leaguers are, are doing their thing or maybe they're doing the same thing and there's nobody there to field it. But, um, but Dave, what are your thoughts there? And, and um, as we last questions for Tim, as we get out of here. Yeah, I, I actually got excited this week. I saw, you know, the shift is over and all of a sudden guys are hitting the ball the other way. And in a matter of 15 minutes, I saw, and this was, I think, Tuesday, I turned the midday game on and Tanner and I were watching it. In 15 minutes, we saw, we were flicking back and forth between games. We saw a hit and run, a bunt, somebody going the other way with two strikes. We saw a pitcher covering first base on a double play, um, stolen bases. I mean, it was like, I was like, oh my God, that's baseball in like 15 minutes. I shut the TV off and didn't watch the rest of the day. I, just wanted, to, I wanted to feel, awesome. feel the good life. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, SoCal, we've always done that in college, but I, I do think they're doing it more. They're getting back yeah. to their roots. Yeah, I, I've seen some more. I've seen good signs. I wonder how much the classic affected that too. I mean, not that, I mean, we had a lot of enthusiasm playing off the World Baseball Classic, but the game was played kind of like playoff baseball, so to speak. But yeah, it was fun to watch. It's, yeah. you know, the stolen bases, I think they're abusing the pitchers, you know, the ability to pick off a little bit, but yeah, um, whatever it may be. But guys are fielding the ball. And my son's a Yankee fan and he goes, what's going on with Glaber? And uh, I said, well, when you bring up rookies like that, it'll light a fire under somebody's rear end to start hitting the ball. So, yeah. Well, that's good to hear that the batting averages are up and they're doing yeah. that. I, I just, I don't have a ton of time to see those big league games, but the things I've seen are encouraging. If that helps, it's encouraging and they are playing and the small ball stuff is, is, seems to be back and some hit and run. And yeah, I think when you're trying to win, 
you're going to have to do those things. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Uh, Tim, tell everyone how to get the book fearless hitting. It is on amazon.com fearless hitting. It's a uh, simple there. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter. I'm at, uh, I, I had to change my Twitter. It's at real Timmy Mac, Tim McDonald at real Timmy Mac. My first one got hacked guys and they had to shut it down. So I had to start over. Yeah. Completely had to start over. It was a nightmare, but, uh, it's, it's back up and going and, you know, over the last few months I've gotten some followers back, but, uh, yeah. So that's where you can reach me. Still not doing a ton of marketing outside of Twitter. Uh, I'm going to jump on Facebook because Dave's motivated me to, to do so. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the reviews I'm getting are good. They're positive. I'm getting some college coaches reaching out to me. I just got a DM today. I was thoroughly awesome. excited to read. So I think it's helping and you know, I don't need to sell a bunch. That's not the goal. I just want to help some people and it, I think it's doing it. So I'm excited about that. And, uh, man, I appreciate you guys having me on. I love talking baseball and I, I really, we, we've got to help these kids somehow. It just drives me insane that, uh, we leave so many of them just thrown off. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously I think our listeners could hear the passion that Tim McDonald brings. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and as always, Tim, uh, thanks buddy for carving some time for us and, and you're welcome back at any time. And, you know, we're going to hitch up as much as we can. I know it's also your busy season's going to start up as well, but, um, Dave, anything last, uh, things for Tim and before you give some announcements. Yeah, no, Tim, great. We love you. We'll have you on every day of the week if you want, if you got the juice. Baby. <laughs> You'll get but. sick of me fast. I did tell Joe I, I must have a face for radio or something. So it's, um, with this new voice I've got, hey, honestly, the last thing, go to go to uh, hashtag Kaylee Strong. And if you feel like supporting and buying a shirt, do that. I know she could use the support. Uh, we got to get her hey, back out on the softball field. What's yeah. that? You have that spelled out in front of you. You can give it right to our audience. Kaylee, K, it's a hashtag, and then K A Y L E E, and then strong. You can, yeah, and I, you can go to University of Michigan's website. I think there's some stuff on there on the softball page. But uh, yeah, she's a ray of sunshine. Every I mean, a girl going through cancer treatments, and she's always positive and fighting, and uh, yeah. And I don't know her, so this isn't someone I know. I just met her through via Twitter, and you can just feel this girl's spirit. So I want to support her. And hopefully so they're part she... of the baseball fraternity, and softball Absolutely. is part of the baseball fraternity well, yeah. as well, well, obviously, sorority, yeah. whatever. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, that's what we're here to do. It's what makes our podcast and our network a little bit different than, than everyone else and, uh, and, you know, having great guests like you on as well. Dave, any last announcements? Just to our audience, thanks again. We appreciate what you do for us in terms of supporting us. 15,300 and climbing. I was promised Israel today, so we should be up to 72 countries, Joe, by the end of the week here. Um, Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or Stitcher, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We will get back to you ASAP. Um, Real Voices of the Game production is super appreciative of everybody that supports us. And when you do that, we can give you great content like Joe gave us today. Yeah, this is, this is fun stuff. Again, Tim, thanks, buddy. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. Yeah. And uh, and to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for all the support. Uh, you know, like Dave said, you know, we're building uh, we're building this and we're raising the baseball IQs. And uh, we're, we're going to come back next week and, and we'll keep this rolling. And now we are out of here.